Welcome back, everyone. Rolling credits. First of all, I wanted to start off by saying, does anybody remember those sweet book fairs growing up and how excited you were to pick out those 10 books in that little magazine? And then you just Fire. never realized how much that actually cost your parents? <laughs> that shit's expensive. I don't care about my parents. <laughs> Nobody cares. Those are the best days of school. <laughs> those are the best oh, days. Yeah. Amazing. And everybody yeah. loves reading. I mean, maybe some of us don't do it as much as we used to. I know, like, for me personally, my, like, parents made us read a book every night growing up. Um, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had that to read. I wasn't, wasn't that aggressive. Goddamn. Uh, well, it was, Christ. like, not, like, a different book. Like, I'm not going to finish a book bed? in a day. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come on, guys. What do you think? <laughs> not that crazy. I'm not a speed reader. <laughs> but either way. Just, I thought you were just a fucking super nerd over there. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it the glasses? Oh, tracks. I, th- I thought we were all kind of nerds, but damn. Like... <laughs> Yep. you just leveled up right there. <laughs> Damn. I got the sound effects on point. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Either Kirk, way. Sub in a good one, all right? That's, that's not the point. It's neither here nor there. The point is, reading was great. And today, I wanted to break down, you know, our favorite movie or book to movie adaptions and kind of go over some of our favorites, what's worked, what hasn't. Um, of course, this is rolling credits. I'm Seth. We got Kirby, Pat, and Gums. You boys ready? Yeah. No, 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 no. Let's get into this. Let's get into it. I know I I had to start off with the uh, with the old book fair book because those <laughs> things were just so great. Yep, love. Yep, they were the best. The choose your own adventures. Oh yeah, yeah. I've read so, so many yeah. of those. Yep, I always died within the first two pages. So, <laughs> <laughs> starting off here, what is your guys's favorite book to movie adaption? Um, there's been so many. I know it's hard to choose just one, but if you could, um, let's hear it. So I want to start with you, Gums. Yeah, so I think my number one, it's going to be kind of out there, but I think it's going to be Jurassic Park. I think what they did with Jurassic Park in the 1990s holds up today in a weird way. Um, it is a cult classic. I don't care so much about like the writing. I just thought it was freaking awesome to have dinosaurs. And I think every kid's dream was to see dinosaurs on a big screen, and when they made that come to life, um, that's why I chose it. I could have chose Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, mm-hmm. all these good ones, but I really feel like those are just like my safe answers. And I'd really say, um, I- I'm going with Jurassic Park. The only disappointing thing about that adaption is that we didn't get to see the kids get torn to shreds by the Raptor. <laughs> this isn't star Wars, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that there was a very clear reason why they did. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very clear. Cause the, yes. the, gra- the book, the book gets in there. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if you can do that in like a PG thirteen rated movie. Like, yeah, no, no. You can just eat somebody sitting on a toilet, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's that's where the line is. That's exactly yeah. where the line is. <laughs> I, I would I would like to mention um, that the runner up slash I didn't know if it counted, but Blade Runner, oh, not yeah. the initial Blade Runner, but actually the second one that they made like recently. Yep, I know that technically wasn't the book, but. It was based off the first, whatever. Fact is, I would have chose that one if I was allowed to. I think that's one of the best movies ever made, and that's mm-hmm. my sh- you know, shameless plug for hey, that new you're allowed, to, you're allowed to do it, but thank you. Before before you go down a spiral, I'm gonna go to Kirby next. <laughs> let's, hear well, your, let's hear your story. I mean, it, it's really not gonna be a shock to anybody, but for me, it's Lord of the Rings. Um, I knew somebody like, was gonna give it yeah, to us. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I had to be one. I am. It, it's me. Uh, I am a huge fantasy nerd, um, so that's of course it's gonna be like the peak for me. Um, like the way that they brought that world to life is, um, it's pretty much, it's what I envisioned when reading those books. Um, so 
they just did such an amazing job with it. Um, I still will watch those movies. I'm just awestruck by the level of detail um, that they bring, not only just like into the the world in general, but like down to even like the things like the weapons that they they crafted for the the movies because they those aren't like really like, they they didn't really do a lot of prop swords. Like they actually had blacksmiths mm-hmm. like making blades and shit for that like those movies. Um, so. I don't know, just the way that they put it together, it really matched what I saw in my imagination when I was reading the books. And and to me, that was that was just amazing, especially at that point in time. Um, so, yeah, hands down, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and I think that it's just the kind of tangent, because I love those movies, too, and I love the, I love the books for, for that initially, too. But I think that the way that they did, and this will come up later, too, uh, in, like, some other stuff in this pod, but... Like the, I think something that they did really well was this like the way they drew it out so mm-hmm. long and were able to create the detail. Seth, I know we've talked about this in previous pods about how you disliked that about the first Lord of the Rings <laughs> movie, and like we kind of argue about like the just how that was essentially still necessary in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But I do think that that was something that they did well in that book because it allowed them still to really hit all the details, mm-hmm. which is something that people bitch about in movie adaptations all the time Yeah, about books, about yeah. how they miss all these different things and all this other kind of, which like obviously the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit books were, are very, they're long books. So it's hard to hit everything, but mm-hmm. I do think that was a good example of how of doing it, doing it well. Mm-hmm. And, and Curbs, you might just be the perfect man for the world. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I will take it. A little plug for why Kirby's the goat. <laughs> yeah, little Kirby. plug for why he's the goat. <laughs> Kirby's forever the goat. Yes, I will take it. <laughs> so I actually didn't know that this was a, a book to movie adaption, but No Country for Old Men. Mm. I absolutely mm. love that movie. Um, it's fantastic. Howard Bardem, that was like one of his like first big roles, and he absolutely crushed it. Um, there was another one that I wanted to bring up, uh, The Shining. Yep. Um, I will say that the book is completely different yep. um, from The Shining, and even Stephen King hated the adaption. Um, but that is all time one of my favorite horror movies, mm-hmm. um, and I like what Stanley Kubrick did with that uh, spinoff. Yeah, from the book. Yeah, the uh, yeah. the recent It as well, I yeah. think was uh, a really good um, adaptation. Especially the uh, Chinese restaurant scene. Yeah, that was gnarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, uh, I, so I went off on, on Kirby's Lord of the Rings tangent there, but my, my actual favorite oh, adaptation of there is, is actually Fight Club. Mm, um, mm. Fight Club in general is, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I didn't find out until about three years ago or so that it was a book adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I bought the book and I read it and it is, it's, and I was kind of doing some research on the back end of it. Uh, and the, the author of that movie is Chuck Palahniuk or something like that. I can't really pronounce his last name. Um, but he was going on to say how well, you know, it was done relative to the book's initial kind of storyline a little bit. And so it was done very close to the movie. So if, if you really like that movie, you should read that book. It, it, is, a, it is a very... Um, very well detailed book to that is very similar to the movie. So if you really mm-hmm. do enjoy reading, you like that style of book, get into it. It's great. So I've got a question. The mm-hmm. first rule of fight club is to not pronounce Chuck's name correctly. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It is a weird, <laughs> weird last name. It'll be, we'll make that, make that rule, make that rule zero, <laughs> I guess. Right. Cause rule ones can't talk about fight club. So 
Yeah. Rule That's zero true. is always butcher that last name. Like, I haven't. I've never looked at it. I will never look at it unless somebody sends it to me. Yeah. Um, so I think you did just fine. Just yeah, I, you know, I, I, I've got the book sitting in the other room. Where I every look at it. I have no idea. I think it's <laughs> it's uh, Chuck Polinick. I believe is what it Polinick. is. Polinick. I believe. Okay. Somebody will tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what it is. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Private Sorry stuff. for cutting you off there, Pat. <laughs> what was that? Sorry for cutting you off there. Oh, you good? You good? We segued into it easy. I'm uh, I'm just surprised we went through that segment and Harry Potter didn't come up. So I'm I'm surprised. It was on our list, but we we didn't want to throw it out there. And it was on Gums's too. Well, Gums was the first one who said it, but Fair. I did want to talk about it. I'm the first one, baby. <laughs> first one. So Don't moving on. <laughs> moving on to the next segment here. Um, do you guys think it's better for a book to be adapted into a TV show rather than movie so it can kind of track tackle all of the themes from a book? I feel like personally it would be a good way to adapt that. It gives them more room to work with. Um, and I'll expand on it later, but I wanted to start with you, um, Pat. Yeah, I, I think I completely agree. Um, I think just the, the cardinal kind of, you know, rule now that we kind of look at or the, I guess the, the baseline show that we would look at for it now would be something like Game of Thrones. And you, you really do kind of look at it of the six seasons that had text to go off is arguably some of the best television ever made, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the two seasons we didn't have text for were trash, right? Yeah. So, and then you look at it for how many movies now we get that are based on a book series or something that people really dislike or they really kind of attack because of their inability to get to all the detail in a two hour film, you know, to your point there, a, a, a TV show adaptation of a book really kind of gives you a nice little workaround to say you can spend entire episodes kind of doing some filler and get some little back back uh, back end storyline type stuff in that really helps you kind of make your point mm-hmm. over a much longer period, say like a ten episode season or something like that. So I, I do think it just intuitively is just an easier way to kind of get all the detail in. Mm, yeah. Isn't it weird that every time we see a book adaption of a movie, you always feel like they skip the best parts? Yeah. 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 Like, I, no it, matter it what. Is, yeah. Well, there's always one thing I feel like no matter what that you will always leave going, what the fuck? They missed like my favorite part of this book. And it might be different for everybody, but it mm. always like winds up being some little thing that people will always <laughs> find yeah. that people can shit on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out Kirby. to all you movie makers. <laughs> Just um, so you know, we're the haters. Like. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like so far, I'm I am pretty scarred by you know just the idea of a, a book to TV adaptation. Like Pat, as you said, you know Game of Thrones. You know, first six seasons, fantastic. The last two are awful. Like Game of Thrones is like the classic example of what can go Ouch. both exactly right and horribly wrong at the exact same time. Um, what so, if the book's finished though? Because yeah. that's a good. That was finished, what I was going to yeah. bring up. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to bring up. I, I'd like to challenge this. What mm. if it was a movie? Would you like? Would you rather have the great six seasons with a bad three, or would you have rather had two three-hour movies? See, that's and that's what I'll say too. Is that mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been possible to do Game of Thrones even in the three movie series, I don't no. think it would have been There's enough no time No, in, in even through those first six seasons that they had text. I don't think you could do it. Yeah. No. In, in three movies, you'd have to do it over six movies, which at that point, dude, just give me a TV yeah. show. It's too much. <laughs> 
So, yeah, you that's, wouldn't be able to follow along. That's the thing. The last season was know. basically a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I, exactly. I, followed, I followed along with Lord of the Rings. I followed along with Harry Potter. Do you think mm. it would have been better if we made seven or eight movies that were two hours long? Yeah, but those movies are like well, two and a half, like three hours long. Do you think it would have been better if we did that? Or I also think, though, I so I think that really what that also boils down to is how long is your book and how long is your book series yes right that's because lord um, of the rings in it is yeah. one book right that has like three parts yep you know and same with the hobbit and, and so like you can make that an, an easier transition into like a couple movies yeah there were there's six lord of the uh, there's six game of thrones books yep. six or seven of them i think now i can't can't remember exactly how many there are yeah so yeah. there's only so much you can do with that canonically with that much context mm, yeah and that's um i'll i'll finish up my point here and pass it on Sorry. uh but that's exactly what i was leading to is like the theory of the the tv series um for you know a book series is a better route because you can take time to explore like characters story arcs uh world building and stuff like that um a, a recent example would be uh the wheel of time series that you know just came about it's wheel of time i read all of i absolutely love it it's 14 books long you're not doing a movie series of that that's got to be a tv series that's a lot of books so and Whoa. a lot of those books are thick like she's yeah. a thick bitch uh <laughs> so yeah i think it's a great route to go um, I just haven't seen something that has really reached the level of like Lord of the Rings, barring, you know, those those first six seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, it just the ending just ruined the entire series for me. But um, I think it's a better route. I just think it needs to be done well. And we'll see what this, you know, Wheel of Time thing does. But yeah, I think it's a better option for a longer series. How deep into Wheel of Time is that series right now? Hmm? Is it still first season of Wheel of Time right yeah, now? Yeah, they or? just they they released the first season. They were greenlit for a second season, so we'll see kind of what happens with that. But it won't last. I don't think it's going to last. But um, but I will tell you this: I think I'd prefer to have the fourteen movies. Yeah. Really. Of that, yeah. And what's 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 kind of your reasoning behind that? Well, I tell you what, I feel like book adaptions to TV shows are red herrings. I feel like they're like, you think you're going to get this thing and it's just a fake ass experience to get a really shabby product. And like this new, even this new Halo, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm expecting, okay, you get a series. So you can go from step one to step 10 in sequential order, but I'm not getting that. Mm-hmm. I'm getting some made up makeshift adaption that's jumping all around from who knows what. Same thing Fair. with Wheel of Time. Yeah. There's a lot that we've already missed in Wheel of Time. You said it was 14 books. Yep. And we've already probably on book two or three because it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And they took all these liberties. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really feel like this is fake. This is a false narrative. The thing I hate about things that come into um, that come into this season play, right? So season by season is the budgeting. The mm-hmm. only people that have done this correctly have had massive budgets, and that's like shout out to HBO. Yeah. Like them and maybe a Netflix, you know, um, have done it pretty well because they have the larger budgets. So anything on not on those two programs, I really freaking hate because it's just low budget chaos. Mm-hmm. So that's where my heart sits. I feel like both of them are going to not make you happy, but I feel like the most potential will go to the series on on 
on you know, streaming sites. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest splashes are the movies. Yeah. Does that sound fair to say? Mm-hmm. Like, and so if yeah. I have something I want to make a very big splash, I want to yeah. see it on the big screen. Well, look at you know? um, look at the Lord of the Rings prequel that's coming out, the TV series. People are not excited about that because you look, <laughs> no. at, the, you look at the trailer and it just looks like, you know, they're using some plastic props and like whatever they could find at Goodwill for the costumes. Like People yeah. aren't stoked for it. And there's a big difference between the movie level of quality and the tv series is that for every single tv series that is an adaptation no but that's just an example that goes right along with your point even the lord of the rings show didn't look that great yeah like the cgi looks horrible yeah in the trailer i think the the only counterpoint i'm gonna have to making like this like either like the tv show versus like the 14 movies concept right Mm -hmm. the only counterpoint i'm gonna have necessarily is how often and we see this with studios like Warner Brothers just with DC or Sony does with like their version of the Marvel films on like that comic book side, right? But the same applies to a lot of the movies that kind of have that have like long book adaptations is how seldom do movie studios like to take the gamble on the first movie of a big series that do- that is a lot of setup. There's like right now Dune is in that mm-hmm. space, right? The first yeah. Dune movie and that first book, a lot of setup. We know that we know it's going to be set up for hopefully what will be a great series um, to get some more better, like more movies out of it and some really good stuff. So a lot of times you can run into that same issue you're talking about gums that you deal with TV series where it jumps around a lot because a movie studio doesn't want to gamble on maybe not making as much money on movie one of say a five movie series because that first movie is going to be a shit ton of setup and it's not going to be as interesting as a movie yeah. five where the they want to hook you yeah, yeah they, they want to hook, hook you early but and they don't but get I will, you i will say there i think that we need to have some type of merger here like for dune what they probably should have done is maybe gave me two or three seasons or maybe one or two seasons as like a precursor and then drop the movies you know what i mean like i think those that would flow very well together where the seasons are like interesting concept and then you can now drop the movies I mean, anime does this all the time. They'll literally yeah. give you season after season, then they'll drop a fantastic movie. I mean, and I Marvel's think, doing that right now with the with it, the shows in between. Yeah, and, and so that's something that I think we should take the route of. You know, um, one good show like the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Great. I think the shows show. that have the best prom or the the biggest splash and the best promise are the shows we don't give a shit about. Are the lower budget tiered shows because you can get away with shit that you can't with others. So when you take a very big thing. And you try to shrink it down, right? If I would have had a Halo movie, it probably would have been better than Halo series. And I say this because when you shrink something that large down to this scale, it tends to be kind of like, again, the budget, everything kind of tends to not go as how you wanted it. Where I, even if I would have been angry at the movie, I would have got me a Halo movie, which is going to be big budget, very flashy and explosive. So Mm -hmm. I think you can really do that stuff with like, again, Disney's the king of this right now. They're giving us like, fucking night moon or whatever his name is and and, and hawk and the hawk man or some shit you know they're just giving us all these little low budget characters you know so it's just like that's great that's perfect for them because nobody gives a shit and nobody knows about them so we like that and we can learn from that and learn about it mm-hmm. so now sorry to all you out there that love these characters but you know and then they put the big guys on the big screen right so mm-hmm. i think that's a good formula i again i'd probably prefer Maybe a season, just one season that leads up to a giant movie for us or a movie series. Mm -hmm. It's funny you guys both kind of brought up like different points. Like 
I guess you can see kind of like the good and bad with both sides. Like Gums is saying, like, you know, it could be dragged out too long with the show. And then, you know, with the movie, it's not long enough to get to the source material. So, like, I feel like there are good arguments for both sides. I know, like I was saying earlier, personally, I think a show just allows them to be more creative and stretch it out for a longer time and getting to that source material. Um, I don't know. I, Game of Thrones is just it. it because of how poorly that went, I feel like it throws a lot of people off from <laughs> them turning, the, you know, a thing into a show. But you also have to realize that that was, you know, they didn't have the the full source material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and and look, I'll I'll say that the 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 writing and directing team that le- once they lost source material showed their true colors that they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And they went on to do they went on to do two or three movies after that that proved that as well. Yeah. They, Benioff and Weiss just didn't hit the mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they it just is what it is. They were only good at Game of Thrones when they had source material to work off of. Yeah, and, and going, yeah, they didn't have it. No, and going back to Gums's point about creating that like show that interloops with them, like with Mar- what Marvel's doing right now, all of that's going to connect at some point. So if they can pull it off, maybe these other movie studios can just take take that experience. You know, I really it's, like that that point by Gums to do the series into the movie. Yeah, I think it works well, way better. Well, it's super sad because I think we lost a lot of creativity. And I want you guys, I want the movie industry to prove me wrong here, but I really feel like the movie industry right now is a lens and without that source material from that book or something, they're ass. Like I haven't seen a lot of original shit lately and it's just been remake after remake after remake. And so the movies have more been a lens and the closer you can stay to that original, the more money you're going to make. And those people that are taking those risks because they're not understanding the medium and they're just using their own weird lens are failing miserably. And I think if we don't call that out and critique that, we're not going to get back to having these movies like, okay, I get nostalgia factor, but why are the movies from the 1990s so fucking good still? Like, I'm sorry, they're yeah. good. They're still yeah. good and they still hold up. Um, and they had none of the other stuff, right? So... It's really funny you you bring up that point too. So like I we can kind of bring that back to the Oscars discussion where it's like all of these, you know, great movies that nobody heard about is it because that they're just, you know, forcing all of these like big action movies down our throat that these, you know, movies that do have great stories are kind of just left to the wayside. I mean, every commercial that I see now is for like a Marvel film or a DC film and like even um what the king the movie with ben affleck where they were the knights like that was a great movie but it didn't get any um like playtime any action so i feel like your your topic there your discussion about that i don't know it's interesting it's it's the concept of now we know that those superhero movies and those remakes are gonna pull just easy dollars yeah so we're gonna put all our marketing budget into those and then all these other movies that might be really good, that we might be really interested. Because that is a really good point, because we brought up at the end of the last episode how we used to really like watching the Oscars. And like there was a time where we liked watching those those award shows because we had watched the movies that were being presented in them. We brought up the whole Hurt Locker versus Avatar thing, and that those were like, you know, movies that we went and saw, so we wanted to see those award shows that awarded them. But, you know, now, because I think to your point, we're getting pushed on a lot of these, maybe like all these Marvel superhero big action flicks of things that we know that are safe, that we know are going to be somewhat of a certain quality that like they just are going to market the shit out of those to us and then not bring anything else our way. So there is, there is a good point there in and of itself. Yeah. 
it's tough because we we do need some good movies, but it's like, and and by no sense are any of the Marvel movies or any of those bad. It's just you know there's so many of them and they come out what four times a year, so in one year, and then you have this uh, another set of four films after that. So it's like yeah, just repetition. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I'm the first in line for those movies, but it's yeah, just for sure. lack of variety. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's an algorithm, right? They know what we want to see. They know what we'll pay for. But mm-hmm. the king of that shit is Disney. Disney's oh, yeah. done that yeah. for ages. Oh, they've yeah. stolen material, made it their own. Like, I get it. I get that's what they've done forever. And it just sucks that I really feel like there's a lot of originality being sucked out of it or on the other note i'm complaining about originality and then i'm complaining in the theater why isn't this true to the book right (laughs) so it's like fuck do i want you guys to be original or do i want you to stick to the source material and in fact what i want is if you make something unoriginal stick to my source material if you make something original i am supporting you right Mm-hmm. If it's good, right? Um, but if so, you can tell right now that superhero movies are the shit, I'm going to need an original superhero movie so you can get in the alder- algorithm and then we can know who you are, director slash writer, and then we'll watch more of your movies. You know, don't try to go against the grain too hard. I got to find you somehow and you're not going to outpower Disney on marketing. So, you know, wise up here. Give me something that sucks. Chronicle's a good example of that. <laughs> Very under the radar film about superheroes. Well, and I think, too, that that brings up kind of the bigger point you've been making about Halo, right? That Halo, Halo, the Halo series right now is all over the fucking board, right? And we have all this source material for it. And because it's unoriginal, we expect certain things to come from that. And because there's so much background to it. And if you don't hit enough of that mark, you're not going to get a good reaction out of people. But that being said, from from a superhero perspective, it's like, keep regurgitating these old films and these old movies and stuff like that, I get uninterested a little bit. So, like, I bring something new to the fold, even if it is maybe, you know, a character that hasn't been done in a movie, but come through and just let us see some new stuff. Like, Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Rolling Credits podcast. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please drop us a like, hit that subscribe button. If you are listening to the audio-only version of this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. Now, let's keep it rolling. So I guess, you know, this kind of leads into the next question here is, um, why do you guys think book adaptions are, are so hard to do? I mean, obviously, there's been quite a few that haven't been great. Like The Dark Tower, for example, um, that movie was horrendous. You got Aragon. Um, I mean, there's quite a bit. Why do you guys think that? Maybe it is a source material, but I want to kind of talk about this for a second. I'll start with you, Gums. The director's. The directors that want to make the names for themselves, the directors that are some type of art-clad Picassos that are above the law when it comes to following source material. I mean, it's easy money. If you're asked to direct a damn book adaption, it is the easiest money you can make. And, and, and it's ego and pride. Because if you stuck to the book that has already sold millions upon millions then your movie should then sell millions upon millions upon millions. And so... It's a very easy recipe there. But what you're seeing is, again, lead up to Halo. The guys haven't played the games or read the books, and then they make this adaption. Of course it's going to be ass because we've all read the books, we've played the games, and that's what we want to see. You know, And, and again, when you, when you ran in, we'll, we'll use uh, Game of Thrones. <clears throat> it really showed when they ran out of source material. They couldn't keep up. They couldn't keep up with that, that intellect, that vibe, that just that great you know, storyline. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really what it is. It is on these directors 
and then possibly maybe like Sony. <laughs> maybe it's on these giant companies who are putting rated R symbols on or not putting rated R symbols on everything as if people in the world aren't fucking adults, excuse me. Or you know, <laughs> and they're and they're and they're canceling everything and it's like, no, man, yeah. Venom should have been R rated. Oh, Spider-Man, yeah, sure. Morbius, like these are dark movies in dark tones. They should be R-rated so the adults can see them. The kids don't need to see Venom. That's what Spider-Man's for, okay? So they're missing a whole segment there. So I blame it either on the companies or the directors or a mix of both. It is a – I could direct the freaking – I shouldn't say this, but I want to just be like, gosh, damn it. I could direct the movie if you gave me the book and just gave me the equipment, right? But I know I can't, but I get it. But what's happening is they're taking liberties, and then maybe the company might be stepping in on their toes too. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I was I was gonna completely agree with you on that one. I I was gonna go more towards the studio angle. I think a lot of times you see Sony is a prime example. You see a lot of these studios kind of get involved to say that there's X formula that you need to hit so that we can make a certain projection of money that that we know that we can at least break even on said film that is marketable to X X Y Z generations when the source material itself doesn't hit that mark and you know but the morbius and you know venom examples are great because you have these darker tones in these comic books and the source material that exists and you can't tell me that you know sony is supposed to sit there and say i need to market this to 13 year olds like that's not a that's not that's not an accurate way to be able to look at this this picture and you know Mm -hmm. dark tower being kind of another way to really look at that where I think that that might have been more of a director thing that director and probably a producer, uh, uh, a producing studio type situation where, you know, if you're that director, you probably want that movie to be like three and a half hours long so you can hit everything, you know, but the studio probably tells the director, Hey dude, this has got to be hour and 45. How exactly? How long is that movie? Exactly. I can't remember, but they say it's only two hours and they say, damn, got to cut some corners. Can't, can't hit the mark on it. And so now you get in this weird dichotomy of like, you know, this maybe this artsy director that's trying to make a name for himself and this big studio that's trying to really just pump out as many as they can to feed X amount of audience and it just doesn't mm-hmm. work. It's just Snyder Cut is the perfect Snyder example. Cut. Exactly. Yeah, they exactly. either better do this or they better have a lot of pre-screenings. Gosh darn it, because I'm well, tired of this. It's funny you brought up a point that I wanted to bring up real quick and we'll continue on, but it, it's so hard to like please everybody because you know if they do follow the source material and try to target you know uh, what fans are looking for like for example the Mortal Kombat movie um, it gave us everything that we wanted from the video games but the critics slammed it mm-hmm. same for like if you're if you look at Rotten Tomatoes right now Morbius is at seventeen percent from uh, critics and it's at seventy two percent from uh, from the fans so yeah. it's like. There, it's so hard to find that like middle ground that like with what works between both audiences, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe we get new critics, man. <laughs> yeah. Because like you got to think that they got to be getting paid, right? But like it seems like we never agree or very seldomly agree. Yeah. And then on top of that, you got let's just say the critics are a group of fifty people. Well, we're millions of people, mm-hmm. so what we say goes at the end of the day, right? And so these are our elected officials. That's what the hell these critics are, right? So like. I don't trust the critics. I don't go with the critics. I got to see for myself and yeah. we find a lot of gems that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do feel that Seth, like the critics have a heavy sway because they are literally being marketed out. If it's bad, all of a sudden it's being pushed out in volume, the yeah. writing IGN, everybody's just sending you messages that this is so terrible. And then you don't see it. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the, the only yeah. reason. Uh, sorry, interrupt. Let me just finish real you quick. Good, Pat. Good. I, I was going to say the only like the thing too going back to like Mortal Kombat. It was the most streamed movie uh, on HBO throughout the whole pandemic and and of pretty much all time. I think I read. So like, do you think if it wasn't COVID, that movie would have completely bombed because of the critics? Yes. Bombing it. Uh, yes, and I'll let Brian in, go yeah. first. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what question are we on? I got I got lost in our conversation. <laughs> so we're saying we're saying that if do you think that because Mortal Kombat the new one was streamed the most on any on HBO right? So yeah. maybe of all time the most streamed thing. So we're saying because of the critics, the critics didn't like it, but apparently a lot of people loved it. So if it was in theaters, do you think it would have bombed because all the critics got a hold of it first and were able to dog it? Um. No, honestly, if you're signing up to go see a Mortal Kombat movie, you know exactly what you're in for. Um, I never trust the critics because they're stupid. Um, (laughs) I've kind of made a habit of if a critic doesn't like a movie, then it's probably good. Um, So, yeah, no, I I think a critic you should trust is according to Seth. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. Um, Are we uh, are we moving on from the book adaptations? Why it's hard to do? Should I? throw my answer in there or we just kind of went off on a tangent yeah we went off on that spiral <laughs> that, i wasn't sure which from. question i was answering so that's you're, why you're i was going asking. for the right one okay <laughs> all right well yeah i'll throw in my piece on this one and then we can move on but um you know going back to something that you know was brought up like i think a lot of it has to do with like time and budget constraints um as well as you know the the limit of like your typical viewer's attention span in a book like the author can really appeal to the imagination of a reader they're able to build worlds and characters in your mind that grow and evolve as the book unfolds like the human imagination is limitless the reach of hollywood is not um so like there's only so much they can do with what they have on hand um and then you add to that uh, like add to that fact like you have to take this story that could be across multiple books and you have to kind of boil it down to something that will keep your regular movie goer like entertained and not completely lost if they haven't really read the source material that's that can't be an easy thing to do so i mean especially when you get into like these series that are so freaking long like you know wheel of time like it you really can't boil that down into a one two or even three movies it just it doesn't work yeah. it's it's got to be difficult so that, that's why I think it's it's just not really done well very often. So, yeah. 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 That's why we work I, so well together. It's like the yin and yang. We we just balance. <laughs> I will say. The, the one point I'll make, because I know we, I wanted to comment on, you know, Kirby obviously making a, a good point about critics and, and what they say on the internet oftentimes doesn't reflect what the audiences see. The one defending point I'll put to critics and what is that more often than not in a critic scenario, they're seeing almost every movie that comes out on a yearly basis that gets any kind of marketing budget, right? Mm-hmm. Which is thousands of movies, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, it's an insane amount of movies. So when you start getting down to it and you've got that big of a sample size, you get really fucking critical. Like, and you get really nailed down into like, A, things that you like and you get, it's re- I think it's really hard to zoom out. So I think to Gums's point is it's like, you don't you, you don't really have a good enough way to like capture what you think the audience is gonna like 
And I think that with the Mortal Kombat question where Gums really thinks that it would have bombed in theaters, I kind of almost sided with him to a certain degree because a lot of times what happens with critics there and from a, from a movie release standpoint is that if that gets bombed there by critics, they don't get as much marketing budget. So it doesn't get pushed to us as heavily. So we don't stream mm-hmm. it like we do. We don't, we don't go down the movie. But when you're streaming it, you can run ads for much cheaper on HBO. Yeah. And I think that that kind of creates a little bit of that, that give and take there. So it it's a again, it's like a weird kind of middle ground that exists like with critics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel like you finally got a chance to see it for yourself before somebody shot it. Yeah. Or, or yeah. lifted it up, right? Either shot it down or lifted it up. Because there are movies that are definitely overhyped. And there are definitely movies that are underhyped. And I felt like that was just one of those rare instances where we could just like watch it for ourselves before anybody said anything about it. And then we could enjoy it. And I, I mean, come on, it's Mortal Kombat, which is awesome. But I didn't think I didn't I, I didn't think it was the greatest Mortal Kombat ever. I would, you know, but I thought it gave us almost exactly what we should have got. And I would be interested in seeing another, but I think that the way that was released was very refreshing, even though it was during such a critical juncture of scary times and, you know, Mm -hmm. things were bombing. So, yeah, you guys all hit the nail on the head there. I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's definitely a tough situation, but you guys pretty much all, you all wrapped it up into a nice little buff for me. So (laughs) for sure, man. Um, I guess going on to the to the next segment here, um, is is there a book um, that you guys want to see turned into a movie or a show? Maybe Gums doesn't want the show, but you, you other guys here. Um, I'll start with you, uh, Gums. I meant Gums first of all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and just to say, it's not like I wouldn't want it to go to a show. I just want the proper people to have it. Like if it's something dark and gruesome and R-rated, I need that HBO or Netflix. I need somebody who's going to take the risk. I don't need that shit on Disney. Um, <laughs> and so one one thing I'd like to see is actually the Kane Chronicles. It's a Rick Riordan book. So um, it's kind of similar to – it's actually in relation to uh, Percy Jackson and like the Lightning Thief and, and those mm-hmm. books. It actually is part of the same universe as that except for it's uh, based on these two kids and it's Egyptian gods. Um, so very similar to how Percy and those guys roll, but it's Egyptian gods. And they actually meet up with Percy and them or say, hey, look, at that's New York. Well, I wonder what's going on over there. And that's like the same time Percy Jackson and those guys are fighting some other shit. So like it is part of that universe. So I'd actually love to see Rick Riordan's universe brought to life uh, in an adaption of a series um, and maybe multiple series that intertwine kind of like uh, what do they call it? The Arrowverse on CW. Yeah. Um, but I don't want it on the CW. I'd really like a higher budget <laughs> studio to have that. This hey. and then really go to work on it. Mm-hmm. Percy Jackson is getting a show on Netflix. If you didn't know that, I didn't, and now I'm kind of stoked that you yep. said that. It, it's <laughs> coming out later this uh, year, I think. Oh, that'll be good. Yep. Very nice, Kirby. Um. Okay. Uh, if if it could have the budget and the scope of like Lord of the Rings or um, Harry Potter, I'd love to see the Stormlight Archive series. Uh, it's by this author uh, Brandon Sanderson um, and it's just this massive like epic fantasy series that would be kind of in the scope of Wheel of Time and actually Brandon Sanderson is the author that finished the Wheel of Time after the original author passed away before he could finish the last three books Um, and it's uh, it would take way too long to explain but it's a very intricate series and it would need a lot of detail but if you could get that kind of budget I would love to see that that would be like I, I would never leave the theater. I just keep watching it over and over again. So yeah, 
Sounds kind of cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, look up the Stormlight Archive. It's uh, right currently four books out of a planned ten. Um, and they're also thick ass books, but the story is fantastic and the world building is phenomenal. So look at Kirby qu- question quick. Yes. Um, Pat talks a lot about monetization and that's why they do everything they can. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should all, we should also find a way to monetize things that aren't like superhero related? Like, do you think I could buy action figures for like the it, or I don't know. That's a bad, one. I, I actually think they do cloud. have, uh, I was going to say that's a bad one, but, <laughs> but you know, you know, the Godfather or something like, would you buy choice? I mean, they have merch and toys and things like that. Do do you think that series you're talking about would be like a good favor oh, to God, have yes. merchandise for? Yeah. If they had a run of like, uh, GI Joe style toys, uh, that were like based in the stormlight archive, I'd buy all of them. Okay. Yeah, franchising is is one hundred percent a thing that should happen. <laughs> I need to read these books. Next. <laughs> yeah. No. Do it. No. Yeah, he made it sound pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I will send you guys a link when this podcast is done. Getting in, <laughs> getting into the like, monetization for that kind of stuff, though, does only really becomes hard when it becomes like, like the movie has to hit. Like, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to do that pre move, like pre drop. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to be like two or three movies in. Like, yeah. That's why, like you know. Godfather has to be a commercial success before they start making t-shirts, right? You know, yeah. like, all that kind of stuff. So it's I like, feel like yeah. you could you could take a, a note from the uh, book of the Power Rangers or Godzilla for merchandise. Fair. <laughs> could, I, yeah. could I just cheat the system and hype it up so much that I pre-sell everything and then release a shitty movie and then say, hey, uh, cool. Sounds like so a Kanye album. Basically the NFT pay model. Like, yeah. Oh, fuck. That's fucked up. I like that. That's 100% Donda too. That's a Kanye album right there. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Uh, what about you? Is my turn for the book. So, yeah. um, one of my favorite books I, I've read kind of over the past two years is Scar Tissue. It's the Anthony Kiedis uh, auto, uh, biography, the who's the lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. um, which is a phenomenal book. If you guys are I, either a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers or just oh, yeah. um, just really good stories in general, um, and I do think I I kind of picture the way because the way that like it is set. I, and like you look at things like the commercial success of the dirt that was the show on Netflix about Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this would be as good as a series. I do think it'd be better as, as a movie. Was, uh, but I think that it, if it was shot almost in kind of like that Lords of Dogtown style, um, like kind of from a cinematography standpoint, I think it'd be a really cool kind of shot. Um, and it's just it's just a, it's a wild wild story takes place in LA into some CD sections. You get into some real crazy drug abuse and this, you reach this big commercial fame and basically the rise of, you know, the fucking red hot chili peppers through the, you know, the early eighties all the way into, you know, two thousands. So I, really it's good. a great book. It's a great story. I think it'd be a really cool movie. Sign me up. I love the red hot chili peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the book to movie that I want to see, um, I read this book called Horror Store uh, last year, and basically what the book is about is you have this like these group of like IKEA store workers essentially, and um, they are doing like an overnight kind of like security shift, and the IKEA store is haunted. 
So it's essentially a like horror, like it's a horror story that takes place in an Ikea. And like, as you keep going through the books, all of the like Ikea furniture turns into like different torture devices. Like it gets darker and darker. And the book honestly was kind of a blast. And the fact that it takes place in an Ikea, which is low key kind of scary. Let's be honest. (laughs) I've gotten lost so many times. (laughs) I'm loving this so, author already. Yeah. yeah. So is it basically is it basically like Night at the Museum meets Saw kind of shit? Yeah, <laughs> like, pretty much it, it's, in it, IKEA. Yeah. Oh, in IKEA. Yeah. yeah. In IKEA. The uh, the author is Grady Hendrix. I think he has another book that is turning into a movie um, later this year. But definitely, if you guys want a fun read, it's pretty quick too. But it was an interesting book. It's called Stuck in Target. Is the next one or what? Right. Stuck Down. in Target. <laughs> <laughs> Free Target. So the only place yeah. that's haunted is probably like the Goodwill. Yeah. Like after hours, I could see that place just jumping. I don't know. I've right. been in some WalMarts that have definitely got some gnarly stuff going on. Some those fuckers are zombies. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to close down to get zombies out of that joint. Yes, yeah, just there, go in there. It. Just go in there at six in the morning. You'll see them. <laughs> like what up? <laughs> you got that TV for half price or what? Yeah. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did make a movie about killer slacks. Killer jeans. So, you know, you go into uh, Goodwill, maybe there's a killer t shirt. That's the next movie. <laughs> it just wraps its sleeves around your throat. If you're listening, Hollywood, that's the movie Dang. we want there's, to know. There's the next Hollywood. one. Don't listen to that one. We had some really good ideas before that one on this podcast. <laughs> Don't go with the killer t shirt idea. <laughs> yeah, they I watched Rubber the other day, and that they movie would. was fire. So, I'm just saying. Yeah. I actually caught it on your. Uh, on your review, mm-hmm. it was pretty uh, thought, pretty funny. I thought that, according to Seth, about that was uh, really good. Yeah, you guys Thank should you. check that out. Yep, TikTok um, and Instagram. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out my movie and TV show review page called According to Seth. So it's at According to Seth, and I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube for some more amazing content and some fun clips. So make sure you stop by. Is there um, any book adaptions coming out? Because there's a, there's honestly quite a few, but is there any that you guys are super stoked for? Um, and I'm going to start with Kirby this time. Um, Salem's Lot. Um, yes. After, after the success of it, um, I'm actually really interested to see how this is going to do. Um, I mean, it's like Stephen King ad- adaptations always hold my interest. Uh, like, you know, it the miniseries for the stand, uh, the original Pet Cemetery, Shining, um, a lot of them just lend themselves very well to you know the big screen. So I, I do want to see what they do with Salem's Lot. It's gonna be so good. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. Gums, can you guys hear me now? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was I was muted. So. Um, <laughs> When I did my research on this, I, I don't even know what was coming out. And then I ran into this one called The School for Good and Evil uh, by Soman Chanani. And um, I thought that looked good. I thought that looked like a good thing. And I guess the premise is like these two these two young girls are going to school. Um, one school's for good and one school's for evil. And what they thought they were going to, you know, like, hey, I'm bad. I'm going to this school. Or I should say evil. I'm evil. I'm going to this school. I'm good. I'm going to this evil, this school. And I guess they get their roles re- reversed or something. I think the good one goes to evil school and vice versa. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that sounded good. I'm a big, like, fantasy dude. Like, I love the fantasy. I love anything that has magical powers. Like, that's just my cup of tea. 
like you got super abilities. So in this school for good and evil that, you know, they have like magic and stuff. So anything with magic, anything like that, swords, shit like that, I'm in there. So I thought that looked like a cool thing. Um, and it made me actually uh, Google the book. So I'm going to take a look at that. And if it interests me, I might get it on Audible and, and check it out or uh, take a read from the local library. Shout mm-hmm. out local libraries. <laughs> yep. I used to have a library card. <laughs> Probably still have an overdue book. <laughs> 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 oh, man. So who's next? I think I kind of lost track. Here. Uh, Peace spice. Uh, I have. Peace I have not gone yet. Um, okay. Even though, even though we were shitting on Game of Thrones and everything earlier, I am still excited for House of the Dragon, um, which is the series based on the Targaryen family um, mm-hmm. that's coming out on HBO. It is based on George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood, mm-hmm. um, which is the series based on the same timeline within the Game of Thrones universe. Um, and main reason I'm excited, we've seen what HBO can do with source material when they've got text yep. on on this ser- on this series, and it's fucking great. So I don't have currently any reason to believe. I know everyone's tainted from the last two seasons, and I get it. It sucked. Like it's not fun. I was there too. Like, <laughs> but we have we have seen when they have text to back it up that the series is good. Yeah. Um. I didn't have any movies that I necessarily saw coming on the on the horizon that I was like necessarily stoked for. I wasn't really, you know, outside of maybe like the the rest of the Dune series. I wasn't necessarily really like anything that I saw that's like greenlit coming that I was like really excited for. So this was the really only one that really kind of jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. So I actually have two, and this one of them you should definitely be put on all of your guys's radar. I haven't read the book, um, but it's called Bullet Train, and it's the new Brad Pitt movie. About, oh, yes. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. About assassins on a, basically a bullet train in um, Tokyo, mm-hmm. and it looks super sick. I'm really excited for that one. Brad um, Pitt as yep. an as a action hero? Yeah. I'll it's pass. Basically, <laughs> no, the, the cast is amazing. They got uh, Craven the Hunter. Good day. Good day. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, Craven the Hunter's in it. The guy who played Scorpion in uh, the new Mortal Kombat's in it. The cast is great. Mm. And get out of here. Yeah, I got, I got <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Factory. I, I got to ask, why why is Brad Pitt playing an action uh, movie character? What does it for you, Gums? It's because it's Brad Pitt. I don't know. I've I've never thought he was like super and a super amazing actor. And I know I never also thought that Angelina Jolie was an amazing actor, but they're damn good looking people. They're like damn good looking people. So it's just like one of those things where they're like, they forget they're acting because they're hot. You know, so you're not paying attention. They're acting. You're paying attention to these people. Did you not like Troy? Like, it was great. I thought that wig was in shambles, bro. (laughs) Inglorious Bastards. (laughs) Inglorious Bastards. Fight Club. Did you hear that fucking accent? Bro, I could go on about Brad Pitt, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think he's, like, a great... Bro, you can't shit on Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's a great actor. See, but here's the thing. I don't think he's that great. I just think he's, like, average. I don't think he's bad, bro. I don't think he's bad, but I just don't think he's, like... Amazing. I'd like to. I'd like to timestamp right at the yeah, right? mark of this podcast. The hottest take of the day um, on the YouTube page. If you're looking, if there's a if there's Look, a cut scene what, at the end of your time, little search bar, next time you see a Brad Pitt day, movie, uh, Mark Gums. Brad next Pitt, time you see a Brad Pitt, Pitt movie, cover up his fast face, forward, and then no, just bro. listen to him acting. And you World fucking War tell Z. Me. I love that movie. Once upon a time in Hollywood. You can't tell me that these aren't good movies first of all once okay once upon a time in hollywood was probably one of his best roles and he wasn't an action star mr mrs Uh, smith fantastic 
Um, I kind of lean a little bit more towards, uh, you know, Gum's side of things. I think that he's an average actor. He just he just has had the uh, the luxury of having some well written movies to go with. So he was even in Oceans Twelve. He was in an Oceans Eleven. Oh, oh, the Ocean series is probably the the only thing where I really thought he fit well. He fit. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like as a solo action star, I really don't dig Brad Pitt. But if you get him around a team or where I would prefer him more of as like the tech guy, like he feels more like Iron Man to me than he does Thor. Mm-hmm. Right. So like stop trying to cast him as Thor as this one man wrecking crew and put him in a more role that is more sophisticated. You mm-hmm. know, he's more of that. Like if he's going to be an action guy, he's more james bond or something mm-hmm. like that he's we got tech and gadgets and shit and he's a womanizer you know less less badass less you know sylvester stallone mm-hmm. and you know yeah shit like that. definitely haven't really enjoyed like where he's like front and center for action but look at movies like uh meet joe black yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. phenomenal in that movie so that i think that's his wheelhouse right there it's okay, Pat. Just let him have this. We're, we're not going to win this. Hot <laughs> take of the day, 50 minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Timestamp um, it. Yeah, that's just, that's just rude. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. If we ever get Brad Pitt on the podcast, me and Pat will interview him. We'll, there you go. We'll, we're going to clip this and just yeah. make sure this is going to be the opener to the episode. There you go. Like, hey, exactly. Brad, we got to show you something. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we well, determined, snitch on us right away. <laughs> as, as we determined last podcast, I don't like actors anyway, so I have no problem saying that shit to him himself. You just get a wide <laughs> full face. I think you suck, buddy. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but before we continue on to the next segment, um, there was another one that I wanted to bring up, which was the Fall of House Usher, which mm. is a short story by Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. Um, I wasn't sure short stories could be like added to the list, but it's written on parchment. So I'm throwing it in there. And uh, Mike Flanagan's doing it. Uh, and he's the one who did like Midnight uh, Mass, which was fantastic. All of the Haunting on Hill Houses um, and a few other things. So after Midnight Mass, I have all the faith in the world in that guy. And I think it'll be really good. And it's like the original Haunted House story, like the first yeah. one ever made. Yep. That's interesting, man. Yeah, no, I'm stoked good. for that. That's all I can say to that. I hold no expectations. <laughs> I'll just we'll see it when it comes out. It'll be good, I promise. Is Brad Pitt in it? No. <laughs> then, then it's gonna be all right. Okay. I mean, guys, I don't <laughs> then, hate Brad then Pitt. He has, then he has faith. He has faith. <laughs> I, yeah, just, he has faith. He's just average. That's all. <laughs> Mark Hamill's in it. Luke Skywalker. There you go. That guy. That guy's a great voiceover actor. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The Joker. Yeah. Is a, yeah, is it kind of a goaded voiceover actor? Yes. Loki? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Went from a Jedi to the Joker. <laughs> he's, Back to see, a Jedi. See, here you go. Here you go. If if it put Brad Pitt's looks on Mark Hamill's <laughs> voice and actions, oh my God, you have the perfect actor, man. Well, if we're, cooking, we're going cookie cutter, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, can, I can pick and choose what I like about anybody to put them together. <laughs> we're going to give Tom Cruise five inches. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might, but I, I'm not touching Tom Cruise. I don't like. I don't think he's a good person. And I've I've read into Scientology. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't judge him by Scientology. I just judge him by all this shit I hear about him. Uh, 
about yeah. how he treats his castmates and how he treats the sets and crews, oh, and it's just yeah. terrible. And I just can't, I just don't dig people like that because I know yeah. in real life he's just probably he's probably stressed out and he's probably an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't have time to like have that negativity. I already have Brian here, and I just I wanna be, <laughs> that's, that's I fair. Just be okay. That's why we need to bring on Keanu Reeves. Everybody loves yes. Keanu Reeves, yeah. the most oh, yeah, chill the motherfucker. Light, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keanu Reeves would be the ultimate get for our podcast. If you're listening, Keanu, yeah. we need you now. Come on, man. You're Keanu. the one person I probably wouldn't rip apart. Keanu, we need you. <laughs> Come, I'm surprised you didn't hit us with that Vix lavender scent yet. We haven't I brought did. we haven't brought up Die Hard yet. <laughs> I did. I did both actually because I've ingrained it into your mind so well through marketing. You just mentioned Vix favorite rub lavender scent, and then you brought up Die Hard. I this think I've won. Check uh, and check. We've, okay. we've hit that yeah. point. Okay. <laughs> Brought to you. <laughs> yeah. That is also, I'm we'll so, have to uh, have an episode on like favorite Bruce Willis movies after the yeah. horrible news. Yeah. That's yeah. terrible. That's yeah. terrible. Oh, that is yeah. rough. Yeah. Yeah. We, we so, definitely have to put that in. And I'm more than willing to actually do real research on that mm-hmm. and find That's out fair. like some crazy ass movies. I will watch yeah. two Bruce Willis movies that I've never seen before and I will report in. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. But that'll, everybody knows Fifth Fifth Elements, the only yep. movie that he that, needed. To that'll be the uh, the Pulp one fiction. podcast I don't bring up Die Hard. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Just because it'd be it funny up, to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the irony. Just the one time we want to talk about Bruce Willis. Jesus Kirby. That might piss me off even more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Kirby's I'm more angry just... about now. <laughs> I don't know if he really agrees with me or he just likes going against the grain with me in tandem. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm like confused. <laughs> I like to keep him guessing, you know, that's, that's yeah, what I'm here for. Yeah, like, are we in this together or did he just want to revolt? <laughs> yes. He's, the he's answer is revolter. yes. Speaking of revolting, um, the uh, last segment I wanted to kind of get into is kind of a little bit more serious, but um, I figured it was kind of an important question, but Obviously, books are such a huge part of learning. Um, recently, there's been a ton of schools that are removing certain books um, that you know we all probably grew up with, and obviously some might have some bad themes, but they all teach different lessons and things like that. Um, and obviously, with society becoming more technological, do you guys see like in our future books still being a thing, or? You know, are we leaning towards like a Fahrenheit 451 situation where we're only going to be able to read a certain kind of book moving forward? And I'm going to start with uh, Kirby first because he is ready to answer. I might rant a little bit. So it's fine. That's the whole point <laughs> of this question. Uh, we're here for it. We got 30 minutes. <laughs> we ranted um, earlier. It's your turn. That, Tag your yeah, in. That's fair. That's fair. Um, just with the way things are going, like I do kind of see books uh, just being pushed to the wayside much more than than they used to be. Um and now that we have, you know, our heads buried in our phones just all the time. Um, I grew up reading. It was one of my favorite things to do. Like, I still have a very vast collection of books. Um, and now if you mention, a, like, just a book or reading to your average team, they kind of look at teen. Like, they look at you like you're fucking crazy. Um, like, the thing that really captures their attention now are, like, 60-second videos on TikTok. That's their attention span, uh, which to me is is really frightening. Um, it, it's really easy for the information that we're kind of bombarded with, like on a daily basis to be tailored to bring about a specific outcome or a specific way of thinking, um, which is really dangerous from a societal standpoint. Um, and what, you know, what I really love about books, about having just a physical copy of a novel in my hands, um, is that like, I know when I pick it up tomorrow, 
it's going to say the same thing that it said today. Um, you know, over time, the meaning behind the words might change, but that's more due to a change within myself and not what the author wants me to think or feel. Um, and, you know, that's, I think, the the great thing about having these books is um, it it teaches us to look at things, um, some set scenarios from a, a multitude of different just perspectives. And when we take that away, we really lose a vital aspect of human nature. Like we lose the we lose the ability to pick up a book and read, and we lose our our ability to think critically and objectively about things. Um, I don't really think people like younger. I'm going to sound old here, but the younger generation they don't really they don't really want to take the time to do that. They're too busy chasing like a way to be entertained, and um, you know that that kind of leaves them in a state where other people are dictating like what they think what they see um and and you know that never really ends well so i think if we keep going down that track we are kind of pushing towards you know that whole everything we talked about in our dystopian episode of the this podcast where it's it's really just kind of pushing us further and further into into a situation where just people are very easily controlled and that just never ends well so that's that's kind of where I would see us hitting like a Fahrenheit 451 or a 1984 type situation. Um, and I think that something needs to be done to correct that. And you young whippersnappers need to learn how to read and think for yourselves. <laughs> Facts. And rat. Canceling TikTok. Uh, Except my page. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of interject here with kind of my yeah. point because I'm, I'm kind of going to counter it a little bit because mm-hmm. I think it, it might be a little bit more of the optimist in me a little bit. But I think that just as we kind of see and we see this with a lot of other industries as well is when there, you're going to go through this this phase, right, where things are happening the way that you're kind of describing that like we go away from a more traditional way of looking at things. But mm-hmm. I do think just inherently the medium will naturally adapt. Mm-hmm. I do think that you're gonna we're gonna move away from physical copies. Oh, absolutely. I, think, I yeah. think that that's just like there's there's no way around that, right? Yeah. I don't think that we're gonna get away though from reading books in general. I think mm-hmm. you I think it's gonna the education system is gonna have to in some way, shape, or form find a way to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Now the the question regarding kind of like schools seeing restrictions and taking away books, that's the interesting part for me here mm-hmm. in that I think you're going to have to see a lot of people really push back on that. Like you saw a couple of states start to really push back against mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird yeah. in like a high school level because they said it, said it was like uncomfortable, which is literally the purpose of said book. It's supposed <laughs> to be uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, It's like tackling like bad racial issues in the South and like during slavery kind of thing. It's like not, yeah. a, not a time period that like is supposed to be – or not like during slavery, during segregation, but it's not meant to be something that's comfortable for the reader, right? And that's something that comes through with a lot of books that we read in high school in those Mm -hmm. early years and whatnot. So I do think that will need the push in terms of like forcing said change. Mm -hmm. I do think the actual platform you read it from will naturally occur. It's going to change. Sorry, continue. No, no, I think that was kind of towards the end of my my wrap up there. But I think that the the platform Mm -hmm. you read it on is naturally going to change. And that I think will be a little bit more seamless than you think it's going to be. But I think the hard part where society does need to push is understanding 
content and why it's still important to read things that make us uncomfortable yeah well the medium is going to change naturally that's just what's going to happen the thing that i like about you know physical copies of books is you know it's going to read the same whereas like anything that's digital is is prone to actual change um we're already seeing um you know the definitions of words are being changed um in like dictionaries and stuff and it's it's easy to do because it's all online and they just change the code and there it is um and that to me i think is dangerous um and why i think you know we need to keep like these certain stories alive in schools because we lose a lot of our history that way and uh, you know something that i know at least myself some of us have said in this podcast before like you you don't really know where you're going if you don't know where you've been you can't learn from your the mistakes of the past if you don't know what happened in the past so that that kind of tract is is just not good <laughs> in general so yeah. Kurt, so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make this comment here because i think it was funny at least in my head but kirby you could have not picked a worse example <laughs> the fucking <laughs> with, dictionary with the, bro well, yeah. words too, are created changes to every bring. day yeah. they are going to change but i understand what you're saying i just cracked yeah. up when you said the dictionary because i was like dude those are like meant to change like words are just made up things that we give meaning to and i just thought it was super funny that's fair so, but and they changed they changed print dictionaries a lot oh yeah i understand yeah. what you're they, saying things like that change <laughs> The, so things like that do change like definitions are refined and stuff yeah. like that but yeah the problem that i have is when it's changed to fit a certain narrative instead mm-hmm. of just like oh we've we've evolved the meaning of this word you know if it's yeah, changed you, to fit a certain narrative that's that's where i think it's it's a dangerous thing to see yeah do you hear this christianity how many how many other uh, dead sea scrolls are we gonna find <laughs> brian's got a bone to pick with you because I, I swear to god if i find another dead sea scroll or another manuscript you've edited i promise you i i've got uh, many bones to pick with many people on that <laughs> that topic it is christianity our government most governments <laughs> That's i love funny. this like duo between kirby and gums they just like I love it. We just feed off each other. Yeah, Yeah, you really do. (laughs) We're we're thick boys. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Curry's not thick anymore. He's been hitting the bike. He's got those muscles. I got a a wedding to slim down for. Try not to be thick. I just meant that like we feed off each other, man. We do. We do. We do. Seth's the one throwing the uh, the literal. Physically just (laughs) grab grapes off each other's chests. Like, hey, man. Listen, I just really wanted to, to, to... you know, let our audience know that Kirby and Lauren are getting married and to send in gifts. Yes. <laughs> you can sure, email yeah. us gift cards to rolling credits podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> go, go ahead, Gum. Um, I don't think we're going to have a giver situation. I don't think this is going to be Fahrenheit 451. I don't think we've ever truly known our history. Um, so I kind of feel like this is not a fully mute point. But this is just what our civilization has done. We've always gone back to destroy the old, to create the new. It's kind of the cycle of life, the cycle Mm -hmm. of learning, the cycle of history, right? Um, And I don't say that as like a positive thing. It kind of sucks. But that is literally what has always happened. That's why I brought up like Christianity because he was Mm -hmm. kind of like, hey, if, if we don't know where we've been, we don't, you know. 
we don't know where to go, et cetera. And, and all these changes they're making. And then I kind of laugh because it's like, that's literally what Christianity did. They, they just keep revising <laughs> the Bible until it fits whatever they want. And then um, I just thought it was very, very odd and very well-timed that he said that. Um, on another note, I, I think that anything nowadays is just at your fingertips. I, in fact, think that kids need to learn how to read only to, you know, play video games like at this point that's what i learned to read for because i wanted to play video games and well, you know how they once said you'll never have a calculator and you're, and you're on you at all times so you got to learn how to do this mentally and now everybody's got a yeah. cell phone with a calculator it's going to be similar to that like we have all this information at our fingertips i think if we wrote away the pros and cons though um some pros are we have all that info we can get all that book knowledge um and I think the kids who will want to read will read. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, the kids that never wanted to read won't read. If you if you're in a kid that didn't want to read and you're an adult now that doesn't want to read, you're not going to read. It doesn't matter what form or of media that's in. You know, and the people that have trouble reading sometimes they listen to it on audio. Mm-hmm. So I think that we should continue to make media and make books and make knowledge. I just don't care to the which way you interpret it or inhale it. Right. And I think that's kind of where I'm at. Um, one thing that I think is one of the the cons of this and what's happening to us is that is, is the FUD. Right. So a new a new word in the dictionary. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's fear of uncertainty and doubt. And it's usually used by somebody to try to kind of kind of gaslight you. You know, I think somebody who did this really well was our ex-president, but he kept yelling fake media to the point where you didn't believe or know what was real and what wasn't. Mm. And that's a very scary thing for most people because, like Kirby said, well, you could just go on and change it. But there's a very few people that actually know how to go on and break codes to do this. And eventually that will become a greater number. Um, but if you're on Wikipedia, if you don't know shit about Wikipedia, yeah, <laughs> man, you could do that very easily. And I think this like fear and uncertainty of our future is gonna is going to be what hurts the most i don't think you can get rid of books if somebody deletes it i have a saved copy that i can upload so there'll always be information but what information is correct which is fiction what's non-fiction so pretty soon we'll just have this giant archive that we'll just be able to reach into to figure out what's what and we won't know if it's real or fake but guess what we've never known if any of this was real or fake we haven't because even our history books don't talk about the full story the winner will always write history Right. The loser will never write history because they've lost. They're de- they're oppressed like a motherfucker, oppressed and depressed. OK, so <laughs> my point being is that, like, I don't think we're going to have a Fahrenheit 451 situation or anything like the giver. I, I think that it's too easy to access online. And I think if kids want to read, they will read or they'll ingest media in the way that they'll want to. But I do think that books as a medium might be dead um, pretty, pretty dang quickly. And it will go to digital in other ways mm-hmm. so there's so many different points that i want to kind of go over now because you guys have all brought up so many things so going to both kirby and what you just brought up about going to digital you have the metaverse coming out soon uh where you know you potentially are going to be able to reenact these scenes from books and people could be learning through that way you know you can act out those scenes yourself and relive that history potentially like kind of like Ready Player One, you can be any character you want in a world that's just created for people. You know, Seth, that sounds a lot like this ancient thing they called plays. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's in the metaverse. Very true. And it's going to be weird that your kids are going to think this is shit is new and you're going to be like, nah, man, back in like 1650, they were doing plays all day. You're in yeah. a fucking play, kid. <laughs> you're, in, you're in a play. So Exactly. And- <laughs> but honestly, though, like I, I don't think it, it'll be a 451, you know, situation because books are always going to be a part uh, of history. It does suck that you know they are trying to get rid of books because they do tell a story, kind of like Gum said. They, they don't tell the full story, but there's some things that you shouldn't just get rid of. Um, and uh, I, I think books just offer a creative outlet that you can't get anywhere else. Like, sure, we have movies and TV shows, but it's. Um, things that we, we've already read and we kind of created in our mind, whereas books, you're just creating this whole world in your in your head of what you think that world's going to look like. Because I'm sure when you guys read Lord of the Rings, obviously it's kind of, you know, just, it's pretty descriptive, but you're creating what Mordor and all of these different areas and characters look like in your head. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that anywhere else. So I don't think you can really get rid of that that creativity. I think that books are always going to be around no matter what. Yeah, mm. just in different forms of media. I just yeah. don't think there will be any more hard copy with paper. I think somebody's going to cancel that, say it's killing too many trees, which it probably might be. But and we're I mean, just going to say that digital. for years. Yeah. And we'll just go all <laughs> digital, right? So just give me like a, a giant nook then, because those things I tried reading uh, a book on there and it just doesn't work for me. I need the actual copy. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm reading, it's it's a physical copy. Yeah, I've got I've got the paper in my hands. Otherwise, it's an audio book. I got to agree with Gums, though. I think that I think your your point there is going to go by the wayside pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I I don't see I don't see that lasting very long. Mm -hmm. Now, now here's a great business proposition for us because you guys got me thinking. How about this? How about we start a company where we will pay people to read these books? At the end of them reading that book, they have to take a test, right? And they have to score on the test, and everybody's test is a little bit sounds like high school. (laughs) <laughs> and then we pay a percentage of what we make, you know, off these people or f- from whatever to this author. And then that way we have a business. So we'll just do some marketing, run ads, do things like that. But we'll pay you a dollar to read the book, two dollars to read the book. And, you know, that, that that's called go. buying books in college. <laughs> at, Damn. At the- <laughs> and you know who's the best at making money in the world? Colleges. Yeah. I'm in. Yep. Colleges Actual and churches. Yeah. <laughs> my textbooks. I'm in. My, my textbooks. My textbooks cost more than tuition sometimes. <laughs> yeah. basically, oh, I, up. basically, I pitched us to be a library. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's exactly all that was. What the book? Yeah. In my head, it sounded different. More like, hey, the authors come directly to us and say, hey, here's here's ten thousand dollars. I want a hundred people to buy my book, and then we like pay people to like read that book or some shit i don't know Gums, that read a book make, you made th- those those margins would be <sighs> razor thin yeah. I'll, Gums, I'll work we, we'd it. read your book we'd read your book <laughs> my book would be off the fucking wall kirby's book's gonna just be about die hard <laughs> no my my book's gonna be about kirby his book's gonna be about me yeah i know That's really. true, <laughs> <laughs> just point of view books and yeah. we'll actually write them together yes yeah we'll we'll edit each other's books <laughs> You're probably wondering how I got here. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> this is how the story started. Three years well, earlier. <laughs> yeah, right. On that note, send us off, Gums. A good quote from Francis Ford Coppola, who actually directed The Godfather, said, I wanted to write and direct movies and not be forced to adapt them from a best-selling book.
Let's keep it rolling. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Rolling Credits Podcast. Be sure to give us a listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or a full video recording on our YouTube page. And be sure to check us out on our social medias at Rolling Credits Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next one.